I am uh, pleased to introduce you to Mike Bloomberg. Uh, Mike and I have known each other for, uh, gosh, like uh, Michael, about two, three years now. Uh, we all uh, kind of realized that the community of people interested in the aftermarket uh, growth area, people working with industrial OEMs is actually not as large as people think it is. And so Michael and I got to know each other and we've exchanged a ton of ideas over time. Uh, like I said, Michael is an entrepreneur. He's a founder of the consulting group, my, uh, Bloomberg Advisory Group. He works with companies similar to those on the, on the call today. Uh, he also was a CMO of a company called uh, Mize that was recently bought by Synchron. And so Mike is not just an advisor, but a practitioner as well. And so with that, I'm excited to welcome Mike to the uh, event to share his knowledge. Uh, Mike, I'm going to turn my camera off and my speaker off, uh, Mike off, and then turn it back to you. So welcome, Mike. Uh, Vic, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on your one-year anniversary of Industry Next. And uh, to the participants, thank you also for coming out uh, today to, to uh, uh, logging on to the webinar. We got some really great information to present today. I was really fascinated by the results that Vidic showed, both of the survey and the poll that he recently shared with us. Um, I've seen similar polls like this, and this is really the first time in a while that I've seen uh, the desire for aftermarket growth be on the top of the list. And when I've seen similar polls in the past, it's typically been maybe about fifth or sixth or seventh on a list of priorities. Now, what you told us from the, from the poll, about 60% of you are, are focusing on aftermarket growth as a priority. And I think that's the result of a couple of things. Um, one is, I think there's pent up interest and demand in trying to build service businesses to generate revenue, recurring revenue from the service business. Um, I think there's also, a desire to monetize investments in disruptive technologies that you've made in the couple of year in the recent last couple of years to be more efficient and deliver a, a better customer experience. And um, lastly, I think it's the recognition that service generates recurring revenue and that it can be a very profitable business and contribute significantly to a company's bottom line and to shareholder value. So today I want to talk about, how to be more effective in marketing services. And to me, I think the way to learn how to be effective is not just to know what to do, but to know what not to do. And one of the ways we could look at and understand what not to do is by understanding some of the challenges that we might face when it comes to marketing services and learn how to overcome them. Let's go to the next slide. So I'm a big fan of origin stories. I just love origin stories. I'd rather watch a movie or read a book about a superhero's origin than watch the, the movie about what's occurring in day to day and in the world they live in. So the origin stories really appeal to me. So I thought I'd tell you a little bit about my origin story. So uh, I originally began consulting in this industry back in 1985. And I went to work for my dad who, had, who was also a management consultant and was considered while he was alive to be one of the gurus within the service and support industry on business strategy and systems and processes and so on and so forth as it relates to building and growing a uh, service organization. And when I started in the mid 1980s, this idea of generating revenue and generating profits from service was still a new idea. 
In fact, our focus was on helping companies transition from being a cost center to operating as a profit center or a strategic line of business. Lots of manufacturers saw the success that IBM and GE were having with services that they wanted to get into, into this as well. And my role in the company was to do market research when I joined the company. And I would do surveys of customer wants and needs, and I'd construct market sizing and forecasting studies using econometric modeling. And what would happen is the client would say, hey, great data. Thank you for your hard work. Thank you for getting uh, this information. And the size of the market looks pretty big. But inevitably, there was somebody else in the organization, client organization would say, well, yeah, so your data says that there's a market here. Your data says your cust our customers want to buy service, more services from us. But how are we going to get them to buy more services from us when they're not buying the services we're currently offering to them? And, you know, of course, that was a challenge. And I wanted to dig deep into it and understand why they weren't buying and what they needed to do as a company to be more effective in marketing and selling. So that really began my lifelong journey. Uh, journey into benchmarking, researching, modeling best practices uh, to help manufacturers be more effective at marketing and selling services. So I've had the good pleasure of working with many large companies, many of the companies that, that Vivek had pointed to earlier. So I want to uh, reference another, another inspirational uh, quote, or not another, but I want to re reference a, a quote that's been very inspirational to me in kind of guiding uh, me in, in this path of helping companies more, be more effective in marketing services. And that's a quote from Peter Drucker. And Peter Drucker said that business has only two functions, marketing and innovation. So I think as an industry, uh, manufacturers have been doing a very good job in, in terms of innovation, innovation as it applies to service. So we can see that in some of the new technologies that have come out, like augmented reality and IoT and, um, and AI, all, all examples of innovation that have helped us be more effective, improve the customer experience, maybe even uh, deliver new services and offerings to our customers. I think really where our industry is struggling is on marketing. I don't think we're doing enough of it. I don't think we're doing, being effective at it, but there's a lot we can learn. And I, I want to share some of the learnings I've had and hopefully it'll help you folks as well be more effective in marketing. So next slide. So as I tee this up, one of the reasons why we're not as effective as we'd like to be is because we face a number of challenges. So I'll identify the challenges on this slide and we'll go a little bit more deeper and unpack what these things mean. So one of these challenges is an internal bias. Another one is there's some challenges with the service portfolio design. The value proposition may be fuzzy or unclear. The opportunity may not be well-defined uh, within the company, within your company, or there might be a poor execution of the strategy. So as I said, we're going to unpack that. Let's, let's move to the next slide. So one of, one of the challenges is, is bias. There might be some internal bias that is uh, impacting a company's ability to be effective in marketing and selling services. One example of a bias is the one that I, I ran into early in my career. It's the one I referenced where someone said, well, um, no one's buying or, or, or closely related to that is that we don't think our service is that good that exists today. Why would they buy more of something new if we're not good at what we're currently doing? And what I learned from my research and my consulting is when I dug deeper into what does that mean? Why are you saying that? The answer was that 
um, that while the co company was delivering services, the customers were unhappy. But what they were unhappy was not because the service was delivered poorly. It wasn't that the quality of service was delivered was bad. It was that the uh, offering wasn't the right offering. So when they were saying they're unhappy with the service, they were saying, I want more service. Yeah, it's good. Do you want to come out next day to service my equipment? But what I really need is somebody here within four hours. So that's that was a bias, not understanding those nuances. Another bias is since we're the manufacturer, uh, our customers should should automatically buy our services. Uh, we're the only choice for them. Well, that's a bias because they have other options. And it's more than just saying we're in the service business. People just, it's not just about taking orders. You really have to market to them. So that, that's a bias. So there's a number of biases. Um, and I think the way to uncover those biases and to know if they're biases is look at one, some of the reasons why you're not getting the investments you need, why you're not getting the commitment you need. Understand what they are. And the chances are that's a bias that somebody has. Yeah, again, another bias is that our, our, we don't have the technology to deliver this the right way. But you do. You might have the technology and you can offer more services. So uh, in the interest of time, uh, I won't elaborate any further on the biases. We'll go to the next, next issue. And that's service portfolio design. So early in my career, I was working for a company that provides service and support on IT equipment found in healthcare establishments. I'm sorry, it was in banking establishments and they wanted to move into healthcare. I got that backwards. So they're in banking, they wanted to move into healthcare. And they went about it on their own without consulting us. Uh, they started offering uh, services to, to hospitals and they ran into some problems. Problem was nobody wanted to buy the services. So they brought my firm in. And uh, one of the first things that we asked them is, well, what is it that you're offering to the hospitals? And they said, well, we're offering the same thing that we offer banks. We said, well, give me an example. Uh, for example, tell me what, what hours of coverage do you are you offering the hospital? And the client said, five days by eight hours. Well, of course, the hospitals didn't want to buy because they operate seven by 24. And what they really needed was seven by 24 hour coverage, not five by eight coverage. So that's an example of service portfolio design issue where the offer doesn't meet the needs and requirements of the customer. Next slide. Another challenge is the opportunity isn't well-defined. And if you don't define the opportunity well in terms of what's the install base, how much of your install base do you think will purchase a service What's the total available market and the service addressable market and share of market you can get from your install base? You're not going to get the commitment you need, both from management and the board to invest in this new offering or from your own team, because they're not going to know what's at stake. So you got to be able to do that work. So that's my example of opportunity not well-defined is you don't, you don't, you haven't identified how big the opportunity is. So another challenge is that the value proposition is not clear. It's unclear. It's leaving the customer guessing. So some of the clients that I worked with who wanted to grow their revenue, when we talk about, we'd ask them, I'd ask them, well, what are you offering? Well, we offer a service contract. Well, what do you include in the service contract? Well, if the equipment breaks down, we'll send a technician out. Okay, well, in what time frame? Will the technician have parts? How long will it take until a technician comes out? And so basically, they're not defining the value proposition in terms of the outcome the customer can expect. And without a clear outcome, there's no value. 
So you might hear customers say that they're not interested in a service because it costs too much. And cost too much is really, in my opinion, another way of saying, I don't see any value in what you're offering. So I don't want to take the money out of my pocket to pay for the service because the value isn't clear. So we'll talk about how we address that in this presentation. And lastly, the challenge is, is poor execution. And I don't mean executing people, killing people, but what I do mean is being able to kill it in the marketplace. So poor execution is that the company has not really developed a well-defined, well-articulated, consistent and persistent go-to-market strategy. Instead, what we see is maybe um, defining the service offer, making maybe a data sheet to describe the offer, and then presenting it at the point of equipment sale. And then if nobody buys it, that's the end of it. They don't continue. They don't, they don't look at the customer journey. They don't look at the customer personas. They're not having trying to have an ongoing conversation with the customer about the value they'll, they'll get from the services. They're not trying to continue to follow up and continually sell and overcome objections. That's what I mean by poor execution. So I think this now is probably a good time for a poll. So um, DJ, if we could bring up the poll that we have. So I mentioned a number of challenges and uh, our poll is, bring it right now. Okay, what are your company's biggest challenges? So what's your company's biggest challenges and what, what we have here are the ones I just mentioned. So I wanted you to take some time, uh, take, about 30, take about 30 seconds. If you could just identify what you believe to be your biggest challenge to revenue growth in your company. Hopefully we're getting some responses because I don't, I don't see the tally. Uh, yes, we are. Okay, great. Maybe we'll just give this another moment. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and end this uh, and uh, share the results. Okay, that'd be great. Okay, um, so very interesting. The, um, the most frequent, um, frequent or the most, uh, most biggest challenge that most of you have is the opportunity isn't well-defined. So that suggests to me is that you ha haven't really done your, completed your due diligence to define the size and forecast of that opportunity. You haven't really looked at the installed base and that's something that, that you can do. Uh, to help you grow the business. The other one, the value proposition, is it's not really clear uh, to the customer what, what, what you're offering. So we'll, we'll address those in in next set of slides. So, but before I do that, well, let's just talk about how, what are some of the ways that companies do try to solve these challenges? So uh, I want to build up the slide here with a bullet point. So the first thing they'll do is they'll, they'll tip the toe, their toe in the water. So they'll say, huh, yeah, this service we have here looks interesting. Let's let's offer it. Let's see what happens if we offer it. So they're dipping their toe in the water. They're not committed, um, and as a result, it it doesn't succeed because uh, there, there's not enough data, knowledge, or expertise of how to market. Maybe there's expertise, but not enough knowledge in terms of the size of the opportunity or, or the commitment. That people think, well, we're just going to give it a shot. So 
You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not really motivation enough to pursue it. And another approach they have is they try to downsell or reduce the price. So the service that they offered, it isn't selling. So it must be the price. People are saying it costs too much. What they're really saying is I don't see the value. So the, the knee-jerk reaction is let's lower our price or maybe try to scale back the, the offer. You maybe offer less service. And again, that doesn't work. Another one is using a gimmick. So one of the gimmicks that, that I've, I've seen used is um, offering a service contract, which basically the contract, because they didn't know how to define it or, or price it, they said you buy uh, 10 service, service calls and your, your 11th service call is free. So that's like a frequent flyer program or it's a program that's very popular when, when I used to vent, rent videos. Uh, you, you rent 10 videos, you get the 11th free. Another gimmick that I heard recently is a company um, was offering a service and people weren't buying it. So they said it was, we're offering the service because of COVID. And just somehow that motivated uh, a couple of customers to buy it. The question becomes, well, what happens when, when we're behind COVID and we're looking in a rear mirror and we're past COVID, you know, will that gimmick still work? Uh, another thing they try to do is they change course in midstream. They say, this isn't working. We've got to scrap our plans. We've got to go back to the drawing board and try something new. And of course, that's you're destined for failure. You're never going to achieve your goals if you do that. Next one. Uh, and I've seen sporadic sprints where uh, the management says, yeah, we're, you know, we're not selling enough of this. We're not meeting our revenue targets for the quarter. So let's like, let's do a massive direct email campaign and aggressive telemarketing campaign and see if we can't just move the needle uh, on the dial and get more revenue. Of course, you know, that's, that's inconsistent. You have inconsistencies. And if there's other issues like the value proposition isn't well-defined, the opportunity isn't clear, uh, the, the, um, the portfolio isn't, isn't correct. Those sprints aren't going to help at all. Next one. And lastly, if none of these things work, what happens is they throw their hands up in the air and they give up. So I want to prevent you from doing that. I want to prevent you from doing mistakes, making mistakes. So I want to share with you what I think is the optimal strategy to really kill it when it comes to uh, marketing services and growing your aftermarket service business. So the, the first tactic that I think you need to follow is to conduct voice to customer re research. And by doing that, that will help you deal with biases. It'll help you either validate or refute the bias that's in your company. It'll also help you understand what their needs and requirements are of the company and do a better job at defining the portfolio and the value proposition. Next tactic is you have to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk. So that gets back to my example of really knowing what that hospital customer wants to buy, that you 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 understand the problems they're facing. You, you know what they've tried in the past that works and doesn't, doesn't work. You know what keeps them awake at night and you market to them and you talk to them about what their needs are. And you get them to understand that you know their problem as well as they do, maybe even better. And you have a better solution to what they've been using in the past to solve their problem. So that's what I mean by talk the talk and walk the walk. And the next one is you got to know what's at stake. And I, it's, you probably figured this out by now, but that means doing your market sizing and forecasting, doing your market research, being able to look at your install base and say, in my install base, how much revenue do I think I can generate from offering this service? And what 
you know, that's a total available, available market, but in, in that total available market, how much do I really think is available to me? Are there other competitors that might take that business away from me? Is there some of my customers doing this service themselves? And the last one is that you want to look at is based on the tactics you're going to implement, how much revenue can you actually develop? That's share of market. So you got to be able to do that. And th these, these are actually services that we do. This is the work that my firm does. Um, the next tactic that I strongly recommend, if you're not sure about your value proposition, follow something I call the value proposition formula. And the way the value proposition formula works, it goes like this. It's our service helps X do Y so that Z. So X is the, the target customer, the demographic you're targeting. Um, could be the firm graphic you're targeting. The next one is helps X, so that's the, the, the demographic. Y is the service you're offering and Z is the result or the outcome. So let's take something as simple, or maybe it's not simple, it's kind of complex, but it's a, it's a simple example and that's data as a service. So the way the value proposition would work is we help manufacturers uh, monitor the performance of their equipment so they can improve uh, product uptime and maximize production yield. So you see, that's much different. That's much more compelling than just saying, we offer data as a service. You know, what are you going to run into? If you say I offer data as a service, data as a service, your customer might say, well, yeah, well, I already have a lot of data and I don't know what to do with it. I'm not making use of it. So I'm not sure how this is going to help me. But if you follow the value proposition formula, you're clearly defining the value. Uh, another tactic is to burn your boats. So I think of Hernando Cortez, or Fernando Cortez, uh, conquistador, who uh, ventured into Mexico and uh, conquered it. And the way he got his conquistadores to follow out his vision and his plan is he bur burned his ships. He made it impossible for his conquistadores to leave, to, to, to want to get off the island, to not... Um, work as, as well as they possibly could to achieve their goal. And that's what you have to do. So I, I've seen this where companies, they don't burn their ships. They, they say, you know, offer the service, but somehow they let the salespeople or the service people fall back on selling what they know. And that kind of defeats the purpose. They never grow their revenue because they, the, it's too easy to, to either say, all right, we'll just go back to time and materials. We won't, we won't offer this contract anymore because you're not interested, but you got to find a way to make that happen. So you got to have the commitment by ma making it very difficult uh, to, for, let's say, first of all, to incentivize your team to follow through, but also making it difficult, making it a disincentive for them to fall back on what's comfortable for them. And lastly, you want to empower your team. So I want to drill down into that a little bit more about what I mean by empowering your team. So we'll go to the next slide. So empowering your team is you have to make sure you give them the right marketing stack. So I think one of the unique things about marketing and selling services is what you, what you sell and what you market, market is a function of what you can deliver. So you can only sell something you can deliver and you can only deliver something you can sell. So you gotta make sure you, you know what your service delivery infrastructure looks like in order to construct the offers that they're interested in, that your customers might be willing to buy. Um, you also want to have a good CRM system in place to be able to you know, track your customers, um, understand uh, who they are. You want to have a good install base uh, data platform so you know 
what what's occurring in your install base? How many how much of your install base is under contract? What part of your install base doesn't have the service yet? Um, you want to have a good marketing automation system in place so you can stay in touch and have a, an ongoing conversation with your customer and you can send them content that's going to educate them about how you could help them. And you also want to have a good tool to configure price and quote your services because you want to respond quickly to your customers. You, today, it's no longer a one-size-fits-all. Your clients want customization. So with a good configure price and quotation software, you can make sure you're delivering an offer that really truly meets their needs. But the second part of this, and I, to me, it's, it's just as important, is you want to model SaaS best practices. So if you think of some of the SaaS companies that are very effective in marketing and very effective in building market share and getting customers, is they've invested a lot in content marketing in white papers, in blogs, in webinars, ways of staying in front of the customer, educating the customer, showing the customer they understand their, their problems and that they know what they've tried in the past to solve it and that they know what the best solution and how they meet the criteria of the best solution is what these SaaS companies are doing. And that applies just as well to a service business. So that's what I'm recommending. and. Um, in the interest of time, we'll move to our poll here. So I mentioned a number of, of uh, tactics you could use. Of the tactics, which one do you think you're going to focus on in the next 60 to 90 days? Launch the poll, Michael. Uh, we should see some you know, responses coming in. Okay, great. Give it a couple of minutes. Thank you. All right, I'm going to end the poll. And yeah, thanks. Thanks, CJ. There you go. Uh, so it's kind of across the board here. Um, no, it looks like no one uh, tactic um, is different. So, but the, the top two are talk the talk and walk the walk. So it means you're, you're saying you're really going to try to understand what your customer's pain points are. You're going to really understand what's going on in the world. So you understand the world and they see you as a credible provider. And then you're also going to empower your teams as you're going to spend, a, put some more effort, some more investment in, um, in your tech stack and also in um, your go-to-market strategy by, by implementing content, the right kind of content that keeps an ongoing conversation and builds credibility. So that's great stuff. And, um, so we can summarize now in the next slide what the key takeaways are. So in my opinion, it's really about creating offers which meet your customer needs and being effective at selling these offers. It's also an understanding that no, not a single one size fits all. There are many ways to fix the problem and the opportunities to fix the problem are really, in, at the end of the day, it's using traditional marketing approaches and just uh, tailoring them to the hardware service and maintenance world, or you know the data tailoring them to your world, so um, we can learn a lot from traditional approaches. And so, um, I next slide. I really appreciate everyone's time. 
Um, I think we'll have some time for Q&A at the end of the session, but I would really love to help each and every one of you overcome your challenges and, and kill it in the market. Uh, and of course, I don't have the time to do it today on this call to go into any, any further depth, but I'm making this offer available to you. If you, if you go to www.colmichael.net, you can schedule a 45-minute consultation with me, and we'll, we'll look at some of your challenges, and I'll map your solu so, solution to your needs. And you know, at that point, you know, if you want to work with me, great, that's fantastic. If not, we'll just part as friends and you've got some value out of the 45 minutes that I've given you. So thank you, everyone.